Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Do me a favor. Uh, because of the fact that that is our effort, make those dreams really, really big. Uh, as the, as the uh, wonderful saying goes, and I don't know when or who, who came up with it, uh, but make it, uh, make it a big dream. Uh, i.e., uh, dream big or go home, okay? Because <laughs> uh, we are. We are looking at taking the show on the road, so to speak, uh, literally uh, traveling, not just this country, but around the world, talking with people who are making a difference in the lives of themselves, the lives of the people around them, their community, maybe their country, and subsequently even the world, trying to transform it. Uh, I said this before, and I'll say it again. It is not to say that this world is a terrible, awful, bad place. We need to get off this rock and find another place. No, 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 no. Be grateful for what you have. I, I sincerely mean that. Be grateful for where you are and the fact that you're doing well. And I hope you are doing well. And uh, then take a look around and say, okay, well, here's a little issue we need to kind of resolve over here. We need to clean up that pile over there and we need to straighten up this area over here and so forth and so on. Hey, uh, there's always room for improvement, and we certainly hope that you will uh, join us in that effort. To that end, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us financially, we do have PayPal and Patreon accounts where you can support us financially. I just did a totaling account of the number of individuals who have supported us, not the dollars, but the actual numbers of people or organizations, and it's over 32, 33 individuals or organizations that have sponsored or supported the work we're doing and i thank them thank you thank you thank you and to those who haven't yet but will i also want to thank you so much for your appreciation of what we're trying to accomplish here uh, and quite honestly there is no end game here this is an ongoing process we are all in that evolutionary stage so i thank you for supporting our process and we are here to support yours and to that end so is our guest we're going to get to her in just a moment and we're going to find out more about the work that she does and uh we're also going to let you know too that um we want you to go to the podcast to listen to the full interview. The full interview is going to contain a lot more information than just the 50 minutes that we allocate here on the radio program. This is a broadcast podcast that's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. And it is also available Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. at richarddugan.com. All you have to do is click on the Listen Live here in 2020, the year of perfect vision. And uh, we have a very special guest here on the program. When don't we have special guests? I got to tell you, there isn't a, a program I have done where that guest wasn't special to, uh, to this program and to me. Laura uh, Staley is my guest, and she is going to talk to us about how to live inspired. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program. I'm really excited about what you have to share with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. I love your mission um, that it is about healing and transformation and our own evolution and begin where you are with that gratitude. Uh, so I've written a book 
titled Live Inspired. It's published with Sacred Stories Publishing. Mm-hmm. And the four pillars that I that I've distinguished for myself, and of course there are more than these, about that transformation and self-discovery is living awake, living true, living joyously, and living beyond. Mm. And I share stories and reflections about each of those each of those um, areas of life. And I think for me, living awake is becoming awake to one's own dynamics and the words that are actually coming out of your mouth (laughs) and the ways that you're interacting, either reacting or responding to other people and observing from that deep witness consciousness. I love calling it the inner fly on the wall of your insides that can just quietly observe life and other people, as well as yourself, including your body sensations, maybe your heart pounding, the breath, hearing yourself, and being deeply present and aware and paying attention from yeah. a, a, almost a rapt attention well, to I have yourself, to, I have to, to say... the life and to the world. Mm-hmm. So that can be a starting place. <laughs> yeah, we can go from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I have to say that uh, uh, the the phrase that you use makes me think of that one line in the movie where the guy basically says, "Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth?" And uh, you you know you sometimes have to ask yourself when you see people on TV uh, in the news in particular, but sometimes people even around you in in just general conversations like, "Did you hear what you just said?" Are you really listening <laughs> to what you're saying? Because what you have said makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And I have to say that having worked for 15 years uh, in a Christian radio station back in the 80s and early 90s, I used to say that a lot because a lot of what they said made absolutely no sense to me. And that was what really formed the basis of my own personal philosophy that continues to grow and change. But before we go any further, I have to get up and I have to go move some things around because this room just doesn't feel right. Uh, what is that? Uh, uh, a feng shui thing, you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> yep. You know, I understand that yep. uh, I understand that uh, uh, um, uh, there are some realtors who who actually will uh, they, they will have a, a, a feng shui expert come in to move stuff around so that it feels right, so they can sell this home. Um, there's even a, a humorous one, uh, a humorous bit on one of these real estate programs that I produce where uh, this woman comes on the phone and she says to the realtor, hey, uh, we want to sell this house, uh, but it's contingent on uh, a, feng, a feng shui assessment or appraisal, if you will, <laughs> and making sure that everything is in the right position. Let's talk a little bit about those kinds of aspects of energy, not only in our homes and our businesses, but just in our lives. Is there a, uh, is that something that, that you uh, uh, delve into in terms of helping people to, oh, I, I don't want to say uh, put things in the right place, but in the optimal places in their lives, not necessarily physical things, maybe. Is there such a thing as uh, mental and emotional and spiritual feng shui? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, core, the core principles are that everything is alive with energy, and everything is changing, the energy and everything is changing, and everything is connected. 
So from that perspective right there, clearly the physical belongings are related to what's happening in our inner worlds, if you will. So what's happening in our hearts, what's happening in our thoughts, what's happening in our, our life experiences. I haven't been with a, a client or a participant in a workshop who hasn't had a rich and meaningful story about a physical belonging that related to their heart, that related to their experience of being alive. I mean, something that you and I would look at and go, wow, that's just a photograph of a butterfly. (laughs) And yet for the person who owns that photograph of the butterfly, it has this rich story Mm -hmm. where they were, who they, you know, (laughs) who took the picture, um, they got proposed to, (laughs) you know, just like this whole beautiful story that emerges out of the, out of the, um, the physical belonging. So there's a relationship that we have between our inner world and the outer world of our belonging. And sure, there's, there's optimal placement, but I'm one of those people who really deeply listens to clients, and they know best what feels best to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for instance, I might be working with somebody in their bedroom and I'll notice the bed is a place in a particular way, and I'll just say, hey, are you sleeping at night? And they'll say, yeah, I'm sleeping deeply at night. And I'm like, great. And they don't have a view of the door, right? Mm-hmm. So, But I'm going to say to them, that, great, tell me what else is happening in your bedroom. Uh, you know, How else is this room either supporting you or agitating you? Um, the inner work, I think, is really profound because it awakens you to your outer expression. Um, a lot of people in our culture, even now, and it's interesting because a lot of people are, you know, stay home, stay well. Mm-hmm. They're they're having to confront the level of clutter that might be in their physical space. But I would also say there's clutter and potential clutter in their heart or in their belief systems that could be freed up. So they may have things in the physical space that they just don't love and they're not using, and they've gotten tucked away in a box or in the basement or an mm-hmm. attic. And it's almost this outward representation of what's happening inside of them. They've tucked past experiences away in their heart, and they haven't resolved them. They haven't grieved the loss of a loved one, for instance, or fully grieved it. Maybe they're in process. But, but being reminded of that loss and that belonging you know, everybody's at their different, at the different place with it. You know, it, it's a, it's a dialogue, if you will, between mm-hmm. those things that are tucked away and what's going on in somebody's inner world. So I often ask those deep questions that allow the client or the, <clears throat> the workshop participant to get in touch with their inner world. So what's really happening there that's then gotten expressed in their, in their outer physical space. It is absolutely a both and conversation and it's a beautiful one it's a 3000 year old wisdom that came from that came from china and the old masters were just asking basically they were like scientists going out in the world and saying where are people thriving where are human beings thriving and what they noticed is certain things were going around on in the in the physical realm as well as in the internal realm of those people who were who were thriving Well, I have to tell you uh, that when my wife and I moved to Santa Barbara in 2006, uh, 
we came to Santa Barbara in March for a week of R&R&R, and R and R, relax, rest, relaxation, and reconnaissance. Uh, basically looking for a place to live, uh, also looking for places to work. And we went back home and we decided we're going to move to Santa Barbara. And we put the house up for sale, began packing, as well as uh, setting the house up to be shown. I have to tell you that one of the realtors, and I can never remember whether they're called realtors or realtors, or if there's even a difference. Anyway, she came in with some people and she took us aside and she says, and my wife is the one who really spearheaded the, 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 the look of the house. She says, your house shows really, really well. And I wasn't sure exactly what that meant at first. And then she explained how wonderful it looked, how great it felt. Uh, and of course, we felt that we have felt that way ever since I lived there. Uh, we lived, I lived there uh, from 1998 until we moved in May of 2006. And we had these beautiful French doors that go off and go out into the backyard. This big slab, 10 by 20 foot, uh, covered uh, 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 area just off off those French doors. Then big grassy area in the backyard with two giant trees in the backyard in the corners. Mm-hmm. It was a brick fence. All the way up, at least six feet high, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Greenhouse, blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of doing the same thing with the place where we live now. Now, we're renting instead of owning, but still, it's our home. And yeah. you made a comment about the bed not facing the door. And I thought about, well, our bed doesn't face the door. Uh, it, it you know, faces a window and so forth. Uh, our our kitchen is set up. A kitchen dining room is like one room. It's it's actually a two room cottage, with also two bedrooms, uh, and it's kind of split into th- into into three sections. The length of the cottage, there's a front that faces somewhat north that is scr- a screened in porch from end to end, with the washer mm-hmm. dryer. Blah blah blah. Then the mm-hmm. middle of the house is the kitchen, the dining room, and the living room slash bedroom with a fireplace in the center of the room. Mm-hmm. The other third, the third third, is broken down into two bedrooms on the corners of the south, basically south side of the house. And in the middle between the two bathroom, uh, between the two bedrooms is a bathroom. So... The nice thing about it is the ends will get the sun in the summer and so forth or in the winter. But the nice thing is, is that if you close the porch and you uh, close the porch door and then you close the bathroom and bedroom doors, you have just insulated the center of the house. So it stays Mm. warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer if, you know, we have the AC running. Right. But it just feels good. And even the landlord who has been over there, it's been a while since she's been there, but we haven't changed that much. She really liked what we had done with the place. Almost along the same lines of this this cottage shows really well. Mm. Some Do some people just have that innate ability to not only uh, to, to be able to position things in their living space uh, that are conducive to their well-being energetically... But then they're, they have trouble with their inner space and doing the kinds of, of things that they need to do to get rid of the clutter, to move, put stuff back in the file cabinets. It's one of the things that's always troubled me about computers. 
It's like the program's designed to know where to get all of the individual files to put it together for a program you're going to work on, but it doesn't put them away. <laughs> I'm serious. It You have right. to run a program called Defrag that then puts everything away. So yep. tell me about uh, tell me about uh, uh, the, the the juxtaposition. Someone can do great jobs on the outside, but for some reason they mm. just really have a hard time mm. on the inside. Yeah, that's a great yeah. So I, to answer your question, I would say absolutely. There are people gifted it with an innate ability to create an outside physical space that that feels welcoming, inspiring nourishing, and yet there will be this paradox, right, of kind of what you described, of maybe their their inner world hasn't, you know, they, they haven't gone deeply inside to, quote-unquote, clear the clutter inside. But it's a great, honestly, it's a great starting point to have the outer be so affirming because if the outer is so affirming, then it, then there's a level of safety and comfort that a person, if they so chose, could do the deep dive of the inner work to, to cleanse their heart of past, maybe past wounds or past traumas or past experiences that they've been carrying around in their body. And our bodies know everything. Yeah. <laughs> our bodies, kind of like the computer... They hold, they hold the information of the story of our lives, right? The way we, the way we stand, the facial expressions we hold, the, the, even, even the way we walk, um, are our shoulders hunched, you know, <laughs> are, we, are we protected, are we constricted, are we open, are we standing up straight, uh, can we put our, reach our arms over our head, and do we have that inner vitality, so the outer can be a, a, a lovely starting place. And, but it, it can also be a little tricky, Richard, because I know I was one because my life was so chaotic in the outer world, you know, emotionally and a lot of, a lot of you know, growing up and, and deep into my adulthood, that when I had children, I felt compulsive about creating this outside space that was impeccable because I couldn't even touch the mess, if you will, kind of the hot mess of my inner world. And I got so focused on the outer world that I was, you know, and there's so much about the outer world. Sometimes if you have little kids and they've got toys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're, you know, emotionally, when they're really little, they're not emotionally regulated. You're as an adult, as a caregiver, there to help them with that regulation, right? Um, and to be able to do that from a, a sacred inner place of peace and resolve that you've cleared out or at least processed through as best you can all of those unresolved experiences that you've lived through your life so they're not leaving these marks and imprints of impressions on your soul. So it, it's a, it's a, it can be an interesting um, dance because uh, you've you got to be very careful to um, acknowledge that if somebody is very, very focused on the outer 
and kind of resistant to doing the inner, uh, that may be why, because it's felt safe to, but not, it's like scary to open the heart and really take the block off the heart if you've been trained not to feel, not to cry, not to grieve, not to feel the the anger about what has happened in the past, whatever it might be. Because I think you live long enough, you're going to live through something hard. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, somebody you love is is just a fact of life, right? And and we're not necessarily um, trained with all those skills and tools of how to process through grief, how to process through lo- uh, loss, how to process through something difficult, or somebody just saying something unpleasant to us. And, and how do we respond uh, to that individual from a place of deep compassion and integrity and aligned with our own inner values? Uh, so, yes, the out, outer world can be, you know, can be just exquisite. I mean, I remember as a child walking into this home where they literally roped off the living room. <laughs> you know, it was that pristine. And, and maybe it's because, you know, oh, gosh, the little kids are coming over and we don't want anything touched in the living room. But it was almost like, gosh, they couldn't, you know, it wasn't being enjoyed. And again, with the wisdom of feng shui, the invitation is to enjoy every space of a home and not have anything roped off sort of like a museum. Uh, but, you know, some people choose that. And I would say that that probably might be a metaphor for a roped off area that they just don't want to go to in their, in their inner world. Now, is that true every time? No. I mean, each person is unique uh, in, in their process, but um, a safe outer world, both emotionally and physically, can allow a, a deep dive into the inner world, and yet it, it's, you know, sometimes it's important to have a guide or to have supportive people who will hold your hand as you do the deeper, deeper work with your heart and with your being and with your body. Well, I have to uh, acknowledge that I couldn't agree with you more. I have to also say, too, that it is, it is perplexing intellectually perplexing that we don't know how to go within to deal with these issues uh, from the standpoint, and I do acknowledge what you've already stated, due to the fear, just the flat-out fear that we have dealing with those issues that basically are holding us back. And yet intellectually, I'm sitting here going, my God, you have the answer to solve the problem that is keeping you from achieving what it is that you want to achieve, and you refuse to do it. Uh, it's it's like I jokingly say, I used to say it seriously, but now I jokingly say it because I think it might be a little harsh, and that is having to do with listening to your intuition, your still small voice, uh, and then following the promptings thereof. If you're not going to follow the promptings, why bother listening? I say that now tongue-in-cheek because... A lot of people have trouble with that information coming in. Maybe they don't know where it's coming from. They don't understand where it's coming from. Or they don't know what to do with that information. Uh, or, again, it goes back to that, that issue of fear due to the things that we've been through in our lives. That a word uh, spoken. And I'll share with you quick, quickly uh, 
an experience that I had many years ago working at the Christian Station. And uh, we were redesigning the uh, the transmitter site for broadcast purposes. And we were rearranging the furniture, putting up new counters, blah, blah, blah. And he told me, the GM told me, says, now, I don't want you to move anything unless you get my permission. I thought a little OCD, but okay, I don't have a problem with that. I can do that. Well, the one day that he chose to come out, I had moved one of the big cabinets for the purposes of cleaning, of vacuuming behind it, right? Mm, and I hadn't mm-hmm. had a chance to put it back. Mm. I was also training a dear friend of mine who passed away almost two years ago, uh, and he was in the control room. And so the boss took me into the transmitter room and he basically, as I put it, reamed me a new one. Mm -hmm. I completely forgot why I had moved that long cabinet and I couldn't sleep for three days. Finally called him. I said, you need to get out here. We need to talk. We sat down and I explained to him that I haven't been able to sleep for three days and I finally remembered why I moved that cabinet you were so upset about. It was because I was vacuuming and I didn't have a chance to move it back and I didn't even know you were coming out here, but I didn't have a chance to move it back. He apologized profusely and Mm. not another word was ever said about that. Now, here's the interesting juxtaposition. Fifteen years later, roughly... Uh, I was working for another radio station. The company that owned it purchased the previous station with that GM. So now we were all in the same building together. And I uh, I had made some decisions that really ticked off the chief engineer. The GM of that other station I was working for called me in. And the GM of the station that I was working for, who reamed me that new one, was sitting there in the meeting with the other, with the two of us. Mm. And so the new GM was walking around the conference table, just ranting and raving and carrying on. I was sitting in what they call open body posture, mm-hmm. hands on the knees and so forth. I had to do everything I could to keep from laughing. First of all, because I knew I hadn't done anything wrong in that second situation. But mm. secondly, because... Here is the old chief, uh, general manager sitting there. Basically, he's got to be thinking about his role 15 years earlier. He's got to be thinking that. Anyway, it all resolved. Everything was fine. I was not, I didn't take it personally because I knew what he was doing, uh, the new GM. The chief engineer did come back. Uh, but uh, it was, it's just really interesting how when we can process that stuff, the next time a similar instance comes up, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe you can laugh, maybe you can smile or at least inner inwardly do that, you know, saying, I, I've, I'm, I've, I've overcome this. I, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm evolving. I, you know, uh, do you find people who uh, are you able to train people or show them ways of doing that on the inside uh, to maybe look at, for example, my first instance that I described, maybe putting a different spin on it, looking at it differently so as to maybe shift the emotion of that incident in particular? Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, and I think it, I mean, just the way you described it, it's just, it's so, what a great demonstration of the inner work that there is to do, right? And it's, often in interactions with other people. 
So in answer to your question, absolutely guiding people through that, through that process so that the new situation can be reframed, even the past situation. And what's so amazing, and you're lucky in that you were able to go, wow, I haven't slept for three days. I really want to have this conversation. And that you were with a healthy enough and self-aware enough individual who could own the part that they played in the interaction and clean it up with you so that you had resolution. And, and some people just so that the next time something similar happened, you were able to sit in, in the, that resolution, mm-hmm. right, yeah. that you gained inside. And not everybody has that. So then it really becomes this powerful inner work to get to that silent, quiet witness. Well, and often those adult situations just connect all the way back <laughs> to growing up incidences. They, they just inevitably do because there's something, something and, you know, you're bullied on the playground or, you know, you had a coach that looked at you sideways or, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, really intense. But as a child, you don't, you don't have the full toolbox that you have as an adult. And if nobody has shown you that toolbox as a child, then you've got to gain that toolbox and then kind of go back to those previous incidences and see them through that new lens of, of your adult self with that full toolbox and resolve it all the way back to the source, if this is making sense to you. Absolutely. So once you can unravel it all the way to the source and have compassion for that, that little one who didn't have tools on board, because, you know, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, an infant, a five-year-old, however old you were, or maybe you were all those ages, right, and things happened, that you can now bring on those experiences and go, okay, that was an unregulated adult. They were going, that, 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 they were pouring out their pain, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the gentleman who interacted you, with you, probably not his best, most stellar moment, but he said what he said, and yeah. he did it in the way he did it. And um, your reaction and those fears, right, come up. They're real because yeah. it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you're not, it's unexpected. It's a shock to the nervous system. And that takes us right into the amygdala of the brain. That's that part of the brain that the primitive brain that's about fight, flight, freeze. And so some part of you went there in that first incident. And yet in the resolution, you were able to wire up to your prefrontal cortex, which is that part of your brain that can think through responses um, versus reactions and uh, think through kind of the consequences. Oh, gosh, if I say this, this could happen. If I say that or be that, this other thing could happen. Or just, you know, it's that higher higher brain function. Yeah. Um, and so if people are, if people have not resolved things, they're kind of stuck in that fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. And then it's a, but there's plasticity in the brain. There's plasticity in the, in the nervous system. And that's the good news is that we can, we can rewire our bodies and our, our nervous system to, and into that prefrontal cortex. No meditation is a pathway that I often 
uh, recommend for those who are open to it are just reflective, quiet, going to those reflective, quiet places so that you can begin to uh, unwind what's happened to your your whole body system. So we're heart, body, mind, soul. And a lot of times there's so much chatter in the brain that, that that is what keeps us from going to the deeper place of quiet and the witness. And it's practice to go to the witness mm-hmm. and then, and then hold space. But, um, but you're exactly right. When, when something new happens today, that that you see as a as a trigger for you emotionally, you know the the physical space, the people that you're interacting with, you know it's like the whole thing. It's you're just cycling around. It's an opportunity, and I love Pema Chodron talks about the importance of uh, unraveling, you know, and taking that moment. Like if you did just like blah, <laughs> say all these things that you really didn't want to say, yeah. you just you personally came unraveled because I certainly have. And, you know, that's the radical honesty and radical acceptance of all the parts and all the ways that I've expressed myself in the past. And, and knowing that, oh, my gosh, I, I unraveled in that moment. And mm-hmm. that was not the healthiest choice. And yet it's what I had in that moment. And, and then to, to go back and, and attempt to understand, well, were you overstimulated? You know, like what was going on? What were all the triggers mm-hmm. that had you unravel so that the next time you don't unravel? You don't take it personal. You know that somebody else's pain is theirs, and it has nothing to do with you. You know, like I had a—I remember so vividly this this phenomenal shift, and I had it because it, it's a belief, right? I really, really thought that I was responsible. Like my words and behavior were responsible for other people's anger. I, mm. There's nothing. There's nothing in my words and behavior that are ever responsible for another adult's way of interacting with me ever what's going on for another human being is absolutely i I like to describe it as that's what's happening in their boat Mm. yeah absolutely happening in their boat and then all i have in that moment is me i have a friend who she and i often remind each other we say control what you can control well it's myself yeah. Right. It's kind of like you in that six, se, se, second situation where you're sitting in the open body posture. There's inside of you. You just want to laugh. Right. You're taking it all in. You're not being offended. You're not being scared. Right. You're just in your center. You're in that grounded inner witness as, as what I, how I would describe it. Yeah. And then you have the inner awareness to go, wow, this has nothing to do with me. And these guys will sort it out or they won't. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with me. Exactly. And that is phenomenal self-awareness and evolution on your part to get to the place where you've so unraveled your own internal pattern and ways of reacting that you're now responding from that deep witness consciousness and that deep awareness that it really isn't personal. There's nothing over there that's going on with that person that has anything to do with me. And then how can I best respond to the situation for the highest and best of everyone involved? And sometimes, Richard, it's silence. You're just silently witnessing what's going on, and then maybe you raise a question 
or you just flat out observe, wow, you sound really scared. Yeah. I hear you're angry about X, Y, and Z because you've so regulated your own internal world that you can just hold compassionate space for another human being who's unraveling in front of your eyes. Yeah. And now, what an extraordinary gift yeah. to give to another human being. Well, I had to work through to that position um, uh, starting in September of 2016. I got sucked in to the whole national thing that was going on. And it took me six months to, as I say, get unsucked. <laughs> uh, and then right. I went, I had to go through three different phases. The first one was, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. The second phase mm. was, I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to get drawn in to that minutiae. And the third phase was what you just described, totally non-judgmental and yep. totally wanting to understand, not asking for any change. I just want to understand why is it, what is it that you are so afraid of that you keep behaving this way, that you keep saying the things that you're saying? You have right. every right to be here. I'm not asking you to change course in your life. All I'm asking is for my for my peace of mind, so to speak, I'm just asking to understand you so that I can put you in the proper perspective in my life, which is not in my life. Um, and that's, I think, uh, something that you just described quite well. And I know that you talk about it in your book, Live Inspired. Laura Staley is my guest. We are talking about this wonderful little book. You can live inspired. It reveals the brave and deep work of self-discovery. That's what we're talking about, folks, here in 2020, the year of perfect vision. We're talking about inner vision. We're talking about discovering the undiscovered country, if you will, if I can borrow a Star Trek title, and that country is you. Uh, so we ask you to stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I want to give you the website for her. First of all, you can also go to sacredstoriespublishing.com. Her book is there right near the front. And you can also go to her website, which is cherish, uh, cherishyourworld.com. I said that at the beginning of the program, and that's what we need to do. And that's what we'll continue doing when we come back. Tell me your stories And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are here with uh, Laura Staley, and we are talking about not only the work that she's done in this wonderful little book called Live Inspired, but also about uh, going to that undiscovered country for each of us, which is our inner person, our inner being, if you will, uh, to basically find the hills and the valleys, find the expanses of, of water, of ocean, lakes, rivers, etc., uh, that make us who we are, that make us each so extraordinarily unique. But also, Laura, let's talk about those things that also make us uniquely similar and connected. Mm, beautiful. Uh, I believe that deep inside every one of us is a deep well of love. You know, you spoke earlier of trying to understand somebody's fears. I often listen for what somebody's actually committed to. 
because if you go deep and, you know, they have this surface level expression or I'll have this surface level expression, if you will, but it's kind of like it's coming from a deeper place of a commitment. And usually that's where we can find connection. I think most people want an experience of peace. (laughs) Uh, I even have this a phrase that I said, you can rest in peace before you die. You don't have to die to rest in peace. Hmm. Um, and, and again, that's in the brave discovery of your inner world to get to that place of quiet and drop down deep enough in that deep dive to discover that you are love, that you are peace, that you are compassion, that you are joy. And, it, and, and in that place, it's the namaste, if you will you know, honoring, kind of honoring the soul of you, like we're doing in this conversation, uh, and being able to do that with any other human being. Mm. And it's a very sacred, it's a very sacred space, because what, what draws us together are, are, are the both and of living life, right? Most people, if you live long enough, we'll just start there, have lost somebody, so we can find our place of connection in what I call grief love, because you don't grieve something that you didn't love. You grieve deeply because you actually loved either that experience, you loved that job that you lost, you loved that spouse who passed away or who left your life for whatever reason and they're still alive. And so in the places that are vulnerable and really difficult is where we find our connection. We find our connection in the vulnerability and not, and you know, the research of Brene Brown is so phenomenal right now and, and other people who have been looking at things like shame and vulnerability and grief, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, right, who did a lot of work in the, in the space of, you know, what's happening for people when they're, when they're making that transition. And I think along with public speaking, people are afraid of, of dying. But I think more than that, a lot of people are afraid of living. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it mean to, like, really, really live full out like this is it? This oh, yeah. life is yeah. now. It's precious. And are you grasping and, you know, just reveling and savoring this conversation. Because, Richard, what if this conversation was the last conversation I ever had with another human being? Don't I want it to be just the most stellar and uplifting and joyous conversation that I could have it be? So that's, that, So we, we connect in the grief. We connect in the love. We connect in our passions and our joys, uh, in our birthday celebrations, in our anniversaries, in our, our reveling in whatever. You know, isn't it a joy? I mean, you may know nothing about computers. Okay, so for instance, I know so little about computers. I mean, I'm, 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 I know enough to, to navigate and get on social media and, you know, make a video on my iPhone. I mean, I was scared to death to get a phone that texts for texting, and it kind of cracks me up. And yet, you know, I have people in my life, thank God, right, who are passionate about technology, and they know how to engage with technology. And to hear them get all lit up about 
oh, you know, I found the pathway to da 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 and I made the spreadsheet, and da da and I'm like, spreadsheets, I'm thinking of making a bed, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're, you know, but they're, they're like, they're like, no, 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 I'm making the columns and the, you know, and the, the, the design, and, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool, right? Who doesn't want to be with the joy, even if, even if it's a topic or a domain of life that doesn't interest us? You know, some of us are, are passionate about nature. We could talk all day about the trees and the birds and the black bears, and, you know, I happen to be that. But another person loves the city, yeah. right? I mean, I had a friend who had images of nature in her house, and it just cracked me up because, you know, she finally got because she had been listening to me, right? And I'm like, have things that you love in your physical space, because that was a big aha for me. And she finally like gifted all those images of nature because it wasn't her passion. I mean, she liked looking at out it from a window, but she loved New York City. And she started bringing images of New York City. She's just like this I mean, and she and then she went on vacation, you know, she went on so many trips. You know, the the outer became these outer images of New York City became kind of this environmental affirmation in her physical space that connected to her to her to her heart and to a place that she just loved being. Yeah. Well, oh my God, I can celebrate that. I personally can't, I, I don't, I, I don't want to come any, and no offense to anybody who loves me, you know, love, you know, but I don't, you know, I'm, I'm immersed right now. I'm looking out at trees, 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 and mountains, and it's so beautiful. And I'm in my own personal Nevada. Mm-hmm. So we, we connect in the place of our passions, our joys, our grief, our hard, hard, hard things that we've lived through. We even connect there. And that's often a scary place to go. Yeah. We connect, we connect in the mud puddles and in our failures. But that's often where we want to hide. Yeah. And not tell anybody about those. And yet when we do, all these people go, oh, that happened to me. Oh, that happened to me. That happened to you. And you're like, uh, yeah, I thought I was only one. Oh, no, you're not the only one. You're not the only one who fell in the, in the mud puddle or had somebody say something horrible to you about you. That wasn't even true. Yeah. But it was because they were in pain. Yeah. You know, and so we find we find our we find the place of connection in our gratitude, in our celebration, in our love and passion for one another, and in the hard places and in the places of celebration. That's what connects us. And yes, we all have different expressions. We have different tastes and preferences right, which I've already alluded to, and yet there's just this profound, you know, what is somebody committed to? What is somebody deeply, deeply, what do they deeply care about? Even this person who's behaving so badly, you know, are they literally scared for their lives? Do they think they're going to die right now? Yeah. Because sometimes if people are in the amygdala, Richard, they literally think they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. It's real in their body. It's a somatic, probably long ago trauma where they literally, as a little kid, thought that they were gonna get taken out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they've lived. And yeah. now they're in this grown body, but they're behaving as though they're the 
the, if you will, the emotional two-year-old who felt like they were going to get taken out of this life. And, okay, that's a place of healing. Because then you can go, oh, my gosh, that's why this person's unraveling in front of my my eyes. Yeah. Because, you know, long, long time ago, they literally thought that somebody was going to kill them. Mm. They're alive, but they feel threatened. So, any rate, (laughs) that was a... That was a whoo, wild ride on your question of where do we find our connection? Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, from my perspective, it's extremely important that we do find that connection because it's like with what we're dealing with today, um, the thing that, that I think probably unnerves more people more than anything else, and I love that people are talking about this, is the fact that. Okay, it's one thing if I get it, okay? It's one thing if I end up having to spend the next week to 10 days uh, at home recuperating or in the hospital. Dear God, please don't let it be the hospital or the ICU. Right. But what if I end up giving this to somebody else, a child no less? Yeah. And then they end up having to go through this which I wouldn't wish on my, because I've heard some of the descriptions, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, as they say. Um, And people are beginning to better understand. I think, I think they're beginning to understand our connectedness, even though that's more of a physical, they'd say, and the other, the other aspect of the whole discussion too, is I'm, I'm very saddened, not because I have dear friends who are uh, uh, COVID virus cells, but because we have turned this into a war. There's no war going on. Oh, it is, no. it is no, one no. It is one species, I'm going to call it a species, that is trying to survive. Now, I jokingly say, I say this tongue-in-cheek, no disrespect to anybody. Where is the prime directive when you need it of non-interference? Uh, but it's like, what war? You, you 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 talk about an invisible enemy. It's not an enemy. It is no. another one of the creatures on this planet, maybe one we can't see without a microscope, that is just trying to survive, and so are we. And many of the people who get this thing, who have it invade their bodies, they survive. They yeah. go on. And some people who right. have had, had weakened immune systems... Can we talk a little bit about that aspect of uh, the representation uh, on a material level of our immune system to the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of that inner uh, cleaning, if you will? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I love the Rumi quote. I don't, I don't have it memorized, but it, it basically goes something like this. You know, welcome everything. Just welcome everything, even if it's a, even if it's a guest that comes and sweeps everything out of your house. Welcome it because it's opening you for something even greater, even beyond what you could imagine. So I, I maybe, um, I don't think I'm the only one who who thinks this way, but I, I choose to see it as an opportunity. Um, rather than an enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the virus is, a, is an opportunity for us to become really, really healthy. Yeah. 
for those of us who are, have a starting place of being fairly healthy to really, really clean up our lives, clean up our hearts, clean up our bodies, clean up our patterns, clean up our addictions, and live vibrantly healthy because this, uh, this virus, just like a common cold or any other, you know, disease or, you know, um, thing out in our world, right, um, it's not going to live on a healthy I mean, I know there's asymptomatic carriers, so I don't want to, I mean, I'm not deeply knowledgeable about this particular situation, but I know with other things, most other things don't live on a really, really vibrantly healthy host. No. And so if we can take the opportunity that I see it as an opportunity to become vitally healthy, mind, body, spirit, soul, become deeply self-aware so that the choices that we're making in our lives are aligned with love, our own personal values, whatever those may be, so that you're taking actions consistent with what you deeply care about. And if it is other human beings, just like you're saying earlier, well, you're going to make those choices. So a, a child doesn't get this and go about the business of, staying home and staying well. And what does that actually mean to stay vibrantly healthy? Um, Because that's that's the way I'm choosing to language it. You know, Mm -hmm. what has us wake up in the morning with vigor and excited to live another day of precious life as though it were the last? Yeah. You know, and I I love the work of The Untethered Soul by uh, Michael Singer because he talks about this so eloquently, about going to the place of just, complete and utter gratitude for whatever life brings, kind of back to that Rumi quote, Mm -hmm. and rather than resist it, bring radical acceptance. What is this here to teach me? It reminds me of the Gandhi quote that I put in an article that I just sent out, um, that he said, live as though you were going to die tomorrow and learn as though you were going to live forever. Well, again, what what is the virus teaching us about being alive, about about valuing our precious lives and one another. What is it teaching us about connection and compassion and community and help and kindness and support and that we really are all in this together? And because anytime we create some, if I create you as my enemy or a thing as an enemy, I'm in resistance and not acceptance. And when I'm ex- when a, when I'm in radical acceptance, I can deeply listen for the lessons, even the acceptance of death. Right? Yeah. I'm able in that space to go. Oh my gosh, death is teaching me how to live. What is the virus teaching me? Mm-hmm. What is any illness teaching the body? What is it teaching the heart? What is it teaching the mind? What What is it teaching us about being alive? Who are we? Yeah. What are we here for? What are we really, really here for? And if, and if this virus is going to take me and other people I love, well, wh- you know, what's, what's the lesson in that? Because I also believe that, you know, there is a spirit and it goes beyond this life. You know, I love Eckhart Tolle. He talks about the opposite of birth is death. Life is life. Life keeps going. Yeah. The, the trees will keep growing. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I go and all, all my belongings <laughs> may be here, but I'll be gone. You know, I'll drop the body, but where does my spirit go? I have this personality, but I'm more than the personality. I'm spirit. I'm love. I'm peace. I'm compassion. And can I cultivate the contents of my character in response so that I can be the best to other human beings who are suffering right now? Can I focus on life and being of service and, and rather, in, rather than in resistance? Because I'll tell you, all the times that I've been in the fight, flight, freeze, it's exhausting. And I'm not paying attention from a wider lens because there is a wider lens to mm-hmm. come from and to look from, you know, a deeper place to see things and then choose the next love-inspired action. And I also love how Deepak Chopra says, it's not even what you say, it's not what you do, it's the being, we're human beings. What's the being that you want to become? And when we radically accept what's right in front of us, I, I really do believe we make, we make much better choices from a place of radical acceptance, including this virus and all that it's teaching us about our connection. And what is that that it's teaching us? Each one of us has to discover that for themselves. Uh, as much as it would be nice for you to be able to tell us, uh, Laura, uh, uh, and you have shared with us from your perspective, and that's wonderful that we, we've gotten that, but each one of us has to find out what lesson it is that we're to learn as an individual. Now, what I find fascinating, uh, Laura, is... Uh, is is the metaphor that was shared with me, in, and then we kind of go going back into the material world, of the representation of water, of water in one's home specifically, and the representation as it was described to me, and again, this is just one perspective, has to do with prosperity and abundance. It can also have to do specifically with your money flow. And if the supply line of the water is interfered with in some way to where it's diminished, that's a sort of a representation of the supply line of uh, prosperity, of money, of uh, opportunity that has been somewhat diminished. And it may be just because of some of the choices that we've made, which means, guess what? We can make new choices. And if the outgo, the drains in the house that that take the gray water, black water out of the house um, is somehow blocked, then you can tend to have some a, a bit of a backup, uh, which means that the outgo uh, is is uh, uh, interfered with prosperity and uh, opportunity and, and money in some cases. So every time, <laughs> every time I get a drain in the house, <laughs> that is blocked. I've got to unblock it quickly, you know, <laughs> because I don't want those yeah. opportunities and abundance to be interfered with. <laughs> right. But right. but at the same time, I sit there and I think, um, I think, uh, okay, uh, we'll get this squared away. And we had a situation where one of our drains was was clogged, and we're on a septic system. Uh, and uh, of course I wasn't thinking anything horrific was happening. It's just, uh, we got a clog in there. We got to get it, we got to get it worked out. Um, so, um, 
it's one of those things where, uh, hang on one, there we go. It's one of those things where um, we uh, we have a, 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 a process in our lives where um, we have to we have to come to a place of uh, um, understanding of these types of things, okay, so that we can get that movement through. And that's one of the things that I think about quite often when I think of people who, uh, who basically have uh, this, this money situation they've got going. And um, they are, in essence, and this is just my perspective, they're hoarding. I mean, these, these they, they call them the one percenters, okay? Yep. And I'm thinking, how is that any different than the person who's stockpiling whatever it is in their living rooms? You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's no, it's no different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love, I, I love water going back to feng shui. It's one of the five elements. And when they're in balance in a physical space, there's a uh, harmony. And I'll, I'll often work with people to bring all the, all the elements in balance and they're found in nature. And yeah, when the flow is blocked, um, that they're, yeah, that, that it creates, it creates a, a, a an issue. I often love talking about the trees. That there's no tree that I know of that hoards water, and uh, and I would happen to agree with you that people that hold on to uh, money, it's it's blocking it's blocking the flow because it's mm-hmm. when things are in flow, just like the energy of our bodies, right? We put food in our bodies, and if it got clogged, or if our, the arteries of our heart get clogged, right? We have a heart attack. If we can't eliminate our our you know the, the 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 parts of the food that the body needs, right? It goes to support the body, and then all the excess, you know, we flush that through, right? Yeah. And um and how important to keep that all, all in the flow? And I would say absolutely the same way of the of the energy of money or any form of abundance it comes in and it's meant to go out and it and I love that in terms of the reduce reuse recycle it's kind of like wow the 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 two copies of some book that I have oh well I get to maybe even let go of both of them if I have read them and they've served their purpose and I've ingested them and integrated the ideas then I can let it go and let it be a resource and a tool or a gift in someone else's in someone else's life. So what you know well and then it's kind of like well what is what is money for? You know what is what is it for? Uh um nature doesn't work that way. That nature doesn't doesn't hoard. No. It just doesn't. It it uses exactly what it needs and it goes about its business. <laughs> well, you <laughs> right? know it's interesting that you <laughs> put it, that and, out there yeah. because because I have used this term or this sentence, this this sent this phrase. Nature is our greatest teacher. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I'm aligned with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's and that's why it's so lovely to be a you know certified feng shui person because it's all about nature. It's it's learning from nature. Yeah. It, 
it's it's saying, God, how do we we can't co- coexist? We we coexist with nature. We're not separate from nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And I think sometimes we we tend we have tended to separate ourselves and think we're disconnected. Well, we're intimately connected with nature. If we didn't have trees and plants and birds and animals and all of this, we, we wouldn't exist. We can't, human, human beings can't exist without the Mother Earth. We just can't. It's, it's, we're, it's an interconnected web of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and very it does, powerful and, and nature does teach us beautiful lessons about change, about relinquishing, about letting go, about taking in taking in the nutri- nutrients that we actually need and then eliminating what we don't. The leaves fall off the trees so naturally. They don't clutch, you know, no branch is clutching onto the leaves. And yet, you know, I'll work with people who are clutching on to their physical belongings like their life depends on it and it just doesn't, you know. And the legacy, your legacy is the lot. Well, again, this is my personal, <laughs> obviously all of this is my, you know, perspective on things. And, and thank you for for saying, yes, come up with your own. <laughs> um, but my, my take is, um, you know, that, 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 that we're, you know, we're here to inter, inter, interact with one another and then uh, and let go, you know, yeah. uh, to, to relinquish. And it's about touching lives and not accumulating belongings. I mean, I just, yeah. I haven't, it was so funny because my entry into feng shui was a flood where I lost a lot of belongings, a finished basement flood. And it was a, about a month later that I learned about the wisdom of feng shui. And it said, you can live with belongings that you actually love. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm living with hand-me-downs that I loathe. (laughs) 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 And I I had this huge awakening and then I, you know, and I've had deeper awakenings. It's not like I don't appreciate the books and the treasures and the photographs of my children and things like that, that I do adore. But I know, I know that my life is about touching the quality of another person's life. And if I've done that and, you know, made it easier for someone else to breathe or to live or to grow or to see their own passion or connect with their heart. Wow. You know, and, and, you know, the rest can just be, you know, can go wherever it needs to go. The physical things. Yeah. You know, I personally am I personally am not interested in in hoarding anything and that's why I live gen- generously in my actions and in my way of of being. Um because it just that feels like a fulfilling life to me. But, you know, as you pointed out earlier, each person has to come to a recognition of what they're here for and why, and what they're deeply, what they deeply value, and what they deeply care about. And, um, you know, I think a, a lot of our culture has been very much focused on things. We, we flip things around, maybe, that we've started to love things. You know, people were designed to be loved, and things to be used. And um, there was a quote that I saw, I'm not remembering the gentleman's name, I apologize, but he said something to the effect of, we flipped it around. Things were meant to be used and people to be loved, but we now love our things and we're using people. And, um, oh man, that was just like, whoa, (laughs) maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. And can we flip that back around so that we're, we're loving people and having compassion for one another 
and relating to the belongings like uh, things that support the quality of our lives. Yeah. Well, this is an extraordinary experience that we were we are all having, uh, whether it's uh, pre, current, or post COVID virus, uh, COVID nineteen, uh, or whatever it is. And um, I think that uh, one of the things that I hope people will take away from this program is the awareness that, uh, you know, life is, you know, not, not that, doesn't have to be hard. It's a matter, my, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong from your perspective, but it just seems to me like if we would just alter our perspective. Uh, yeah. We talk about uh, being on a uh, uh, on the uh, uh, on the edges of a circle. Okay, you're standing on the points on a circle, and you're looking in at a particular event. Okay, you can call you can have whatever you want, whether it's a birthday, whether it's a wildfire, it doesn't matter what it is, um, and you're there, and you move around on that circle, you get a little different, more more of a different, uh, broader perspective. You keep moving around, keep moving around, keep moving around until you've got, I don't know, 15, 20 different perspectives. And you put those perspectives together and you have a much broader understanding of what's going on in that particular event. Yeah. Whereas some people, they don't want to move from that spot because it's too damn comfortable. Mm. And they are set their minds are already made up. And there's a wonderful phrase that was shared with me when I was 21. Because I was standing in the one spot. They said, it is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. And I thought, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> I can work with that. I can make that, I can make that my reality. Well... I want to thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program and sharing with us your perspectives. I encourage people to go out and get a copy of your book. Go to your website. Uh, find out more about uh, Life Inspired, uh, which is uh, available through uh, the publishing company that we've been uh, working with for some time called SacredStoriesPublishing.com. I also encourage people to go to your website, uh, and I think that uh, the title of your website's wonderful, CherishYourWorld.com. A wonderful opportunity for people to learn more about, of course, Feng Shui on a physical, external uh, aspect, but also on an internal level uh, to begin to do a little Feng Shui remodeling of their insides during this 2020, <laughs> the year of perfect vision. And if you should ever find yourself out here in California, the Santa Barbara area, and when it's possible for us to start getting together again, and I do hope it's soon, I believe it will be. Um, we'd love to have you in studio to continue this. Otherwise, you know, we'll continue to do interviews with you, have you back again to talk more about uh, the work that you're doing uh, here on Tell Me Your Story, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Richard. It's been a joy to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I also have three final questions for you that I ask all of my guests. Uh, the first is, who is Laura Staley? Mm. Uh, 
Well, I'm founder of Cherish Your World and author of three books. Uh, at my core, I believe I am love, and I am compassion, and I am peace for our world and a great deal of joy. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Uh, healing and holistic transformation in each person's unique way of coming to that, to offer that opportunity. And what I mean by a holistic transformation and healing is space, heart, mind, body, soul. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Mm. Uh, my life's purpose is to heal and transform, to be the most essential and highest and best version of myself in love and service to other people in connection with nature and all of life. Laura Staley, I thank you again for joining us here on the program, sharing with us life inspired. Um, if I wasn't before, I am now highly inspired to continue to stay optimistic and positive about uh, what's coming next. Uh, and I've said this maybe too many times on this program. If today is my day to transition to the next level, I'm ready. Do I have a lot more I want to do? Sure. But I think it's incumbent on each of us to reach that place where we can say, okay, there's a lot more I want to do, but my, my, th my life is in order the way I feel comfortable with, and I'm good. So thank you for uh, sharing that perspective with us as well. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the program. And I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us here on the program. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast podcast, I'm Richard Dugan. Love to love.